Happy Thanksgiving. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Joey McLaughlin, and I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor here. Um, if you're new to the Elevate City story, then want to let you know that Elevate City is a, uh, it's one church that meets in multiple locations. We have a campus in Milton, Georgia called Stone Creek, and then we launched Elevate City in October of 2020 with a vision of seeing just Jesus's church multiply and uh, churches that are Jesus-centered, discipleship-driven, transformation-focused um, come into uh, the perimeter area. Area. And uh, over the last three years, we've gotten to be a part of something really, really cool is what launched in a uh, movie theater that had a bar in it, moved to a Marriott. We had vision preview services in a government building. And then we ended up here uh, meeting on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. at First Baptist Church, Sandy Springs. And um, 12 weeks ago, we started to roll out at both campuses this 10-year vision that we have as a community of faith. Um, in eager anticipation of Jesus' great commission, we want to run into that anniversary of the last words that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven with everything that we've got. And uh, it's been a wild 12 weeks. Um, it's been incredible to gather together around these messages and these initiatives to see those epic videos that we saw for the first time 12 weeks ago. And uh, we thought that at the end of this kind of vision season, we wanted to slow things down a little bit and uh, move what has been like drinking from a fire hydrant. Um, I'm sure every week you've been like, oh my goodness, this is so much information. Every week has felt like the most important thing ever. And uh, we wanted to be able to just kind of slow the conversation down and move things from like theoretical to practical, from something that just like lives on a stage to helping this vision start to live in your life. And so these are two of our other pastors. This is Thomas. Everyone say, hi, Thomas. And this is Joe. Everyone say, hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. Uh, Thomas is our, he's our, we don't really know. We don't really know his title anymore. <laughs> kind of changes day, day. day to day out. Community pastor, discipleship pastor. Uh, Thomas makes uh, everything happen. Discipleship, groups, connections, community. He works with Bailey on making sure people are deeply invested in and equipped and connected into community and, and growing into the into the likeness of Christ and missions and global missions. And then Joe pretty much does everything. So Joe makes everything happen from a ministry perspective. He makes uh, all set up and tear down happen, worship, website, design, now gen, preaches, leadership development program. What else do you do? Everything, okay? Um, and I just stand on a stage and say words like for 45 minutes once a week. So my job is very easy compared to um, their jobs. Um, but we're gonna just be able to talk a little bit tonight about this X Multiply vision. And let me tell you this, one of the most important things that you can do with your family is pick moments and seasons where you sit down at a table and you have family conversations. Like one of the healthiest, most fundamental things that I did in my marriage when Kayla and I got married is at, on Sunday nights, we would have the state of the marriage address. And on Sunday nights, we would kind of slow things down and I would ask her these six, these same six questions, like every single Sunday night for the first several years of our marriage. And that built these healthy rhythms of communication. It helped me to know what was going on in her heart, uh, what she was praying for, uh, how stupid I was this past week, um, what I could do better as a husband. And these moments of coming to the table and really talking honestly about where we were and where we were we're headed um, really paved a way for a beautiful, beautiful marriage. And 
I think that that same thing is true in the life of a church. There's a moment, there, there are key strategic moments where you just need to slow things down and you need to come to uh, the table and you need to realize that this isn't just a big production and this isn't just a show and this isn't just entertainment. This is supposed to be a family on mission together and sometimes we just gotta have like family business and family conversations. So I know that panels aren't always people's favorite thing and you're like, just get to the word, brother. And uh, sometimes people are like, I just wanna hear a sermon and be inspired and be encouraged. And I, I tend to agree most of the time, but I think that sometimes moments like this can be really good and really healthy. And so um, hopefully you will feel a greater sense of ownership tonight. Um, in this vision, hopefully some of the lingering questions that you've had about our church as a whole, about this X Multiply initiative, this vision, hopefully some of that can get answered tonight. And um, hopefully at the end of tonight, we can have a way that we all kind of buy into this at a greater level yeah. and we can have a moment to respond to this vision and then some strategic time at the end of our service to pray intentionally, not just to like check the box and say that we prayed, but to like labor in prayer together um, over where we're at and where God's got us um, over the next 10 years. So that's kind of what tonight's gonna be like, hopefully. Um, oh yeah, and then the final one is I will give you an update at the end of this on where we're going to be meeting for the foreseeable future. So. Stay tuned for that. I'll tell you at the very end to make sure you pay attention the whole time. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm so pumped to be able to jump into this family dialogue with two of my best friends and uh, two incredible men of God who love our church, who love the Bible, who are passionate about this vision. Um, so let's go ahead and start. What was your first reaction when I presented this to you guys, this crazy X multiply vision two years ago? What was your first reaction? You're crazy. <laughs> no, I mean, for real, it was like, wow, like this is big, this is massive, this is scary. Um, but I think what makes this relationship, our relationship so great and so dynamic is that we are dreamers and we are pioneers and we, um, nothing, like we believe in a God who does miracles and we believe in a God who nothing is too hard for him and nothing is wasted with our God. And so immediately when I heard it, I was like, oh, I'm pumped up. Let's go. Like, let's go change the world. And um, I love that this is a vision that is so much bigger than like me. And I love that it's a vision that like I can't accomplish on my own. None of us can accomplish on our own. Um, we couldn't accomplish it even if we were full of a church of, you know, 30,000 people on our own. That would be impossible. It's a vision that requires an act of God and it requires the hand of God to be all over it. And one of the things that was really exciting for me, and you mentioned it last week, and we, we read the scripture on the first week too, but in Habakkuk chapter 2, and I love how you finally preached from Habakkuk last week. That was awesome. Praise God for that. Um, <laughs> And Habakkuk chapter 2, where the prophet, he says, um, he hears from the Lord, and um, he says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. And I love that this vision was just laid out, and it was like, okay, cool, like, this is what we get to do for the next 10 years. Like, we know what we're focused on, we know what we're dreaming for and working towards. Um, we don't have to worry about, like, like, I'm a seven on the Enneagram, and so I'm always looking for the next thing, and the next thing, and the new thing, and the best thing, and I'm down for a party. And... Um, and so, and so, like, we don't have to worry about looking for the next thing over the next 10 years. It's like, no, we've got a clear vision. And 
Um, I love that we have vision because I believe, um, sadly, like there's lots of churches and organizations that don't have clear vision. And Proverbs, um, Proverbs 29 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I love that we're a part of a church that, you know, we've got vision and that's exciting. And so... I'm ready for it. Yeah, I wasn't really surprised. I was just like, <laughs> yep, I saw this kind of coming. Um, uh, I'll never forget, like, when you rolled out, when we, we had the 21 nights of church. If you guys don't know, we did 21 nights of church in a row. It was Ooh. epic. Yeah. Um, but I think Joey told us, like, three days before that that was going to happen. And so you kind of just, like, stay on your toes. You're just yeah. like, all right, what's next? What's coming? Um, and you just start to think about, like, the what we already do as a church, like yeah. what we're already passionate about. And so many of these initiatives, so many of these things, we already believe and we already are passionate about. And so to add clarity around, okay, but like, let's add some goals and let's run after this thing together. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but this was first like shown to us, was it 2021? Two like years two ago, years ago. Yeah. And so for two years, this thing has been prayed over. I think the first time we saw it, it was 10 initiatives. The next time we saw it, it was 17 initiatives. And then, I was surprised then. I was like, I don't know where those seven initiatives came from. Um, <laughs> and then it was and then, seven. And then it got back down like seven. And I was like, wow, we cut 10. Okay. Um, and then it, we finally got to 10 initiatives. And so, but to look at two years of our leadership team praying and studying and becoming dependent on God and fasting and going, okay, God, what what do you want the story of our church to be for the next 10 years? And then for us to land here, and then you start to ask the question, okay, now how is this all going to happen? And you start to go through all those scenarios and all those situations. And then you're just like, you think about the people in our church. And you think about you guys. And you think about the people who attend here and call Elevate City Home. And it's just, yeah, no, we've got the people to do it. We've got the leaders. We've got the dream team. We've got the, the people in the right places to run after this together. And so it just makes me more excited yeah. when you get into the how. So this is like a great commission vision, right? Like obviously there's 10 years, 10 initiatives, there's all this language, there's a letter, but, but the heart and soul of this is birthed out of those verses that Brittany read earlier tonight, Jesus' great commission. So this isn't just like, yes, there's some creative packaging around it and there's some you know, contextualized expression of it, but at, it, at its heart, it's, n it's nothing new, right? It's the Great Commission. We're just trying to be faithful to the thing that Jesus actually told us to do and to not get sidetracked or distracted by something fancy or shiny or glittery, but just to say, okay, how can we really robustly fulfill the Great Commission and expand Jesus' kingdom? So what about the Great Commission do you wish people really, really knew? Like that maybe we couldn't articulate in a sermon, but if you had the opportunity to sit across, you know, from the people of our church and have coffee and you're like, I just wish you could get this about what Jesus said on the mountain, what, what those words really meant that came out of his mouth, what would you say? Yeah, I think the one thing that I like want people to know is that like you being a disciple maker is the truest thing about you when it comes to your identity as a Jesus follower. Like, you are a disciple maker. And I think in a culture where everything is trying to sell you on what's your thing, what's your career, what are you going to chase after for all your life? How are you going to pay the bills? How are you going to make money? How are you going to expand your influence? How are you going to do all these things? Like that becomes so primary in our identity. But like what scripture tells us is that you are a disciple maker. You are a son of God. I love um, what Paul says in the book of Galatians. He says in Galatians 4, verse 6 and 7, And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And so I used to think about that verse so much and be like, wow, I've got this father in heaven and I've got like this dad in heaven who, who's going to care for me and he's going he's to love me and he's going to lead me. But also like 
you have this sonship. You have this, you're a daughter of God. You are a son of God. And so before you're a real estate agent, before you're a financial advisor, before you are a, a, a coder, whatever you do for your like work, before you're any of those things, you're a son or daughter of God. You're a disciple maker. And so like this is our call. Our call, this is our mandate, to make disciples. I love, like, the scripture about Stephen because we see, like, so little about Stephen in the book of Acts. But it says that he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like in Acts 6, 5, it says he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And so before anything, before he's, you know, waiting tables or doing any of these things or serving people, he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And so, like, this is core to your identity. Yeah. This is primary. This is primary to who you are. You're a disciple maker. I love how like corporate and personal the Great Commission is. Uh, Sebastian, can we put the Great Commission back on the screen? I'm gonna run up here. Y'all ever watch NBA Uh-oh. on TNT? He Uh-oh. runs up to the screen. Uh oh. Okay. Are you are you Charles or Kenny? I the, yeah, 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 I'm Kenny. All right. <laughs> Definitely. Charles, are you Charles? I mean, I'm Ernie. I'm Ernie. <laughs> okay. I love this right here. Y'all say this with me. And behold, I am with you. I am with you. Like this is a corporate and this is a personal charge and commission and vision for our lives. And behold, I am with you always. And I think what's beautiful about this great commission that Jesus gives us and how he ends right here. (laughs) (laughs) I love how he just ends with this statement because he knew that we would need this reminder. And he knew that we would try to do things on our own. And he says, no, I am with you always to the end of the age. Like think about stories through the Bible. Think about Moses. And he needed this reminder that God was with him in order to lead the people of God out of slavery, out of Egypt. For Joshua, he needed this reminder. That's where God says, do not be afraid. Take courage because I am with you always. He needed this reminder to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. We see it all throughout scriptures. David, he needed this reminder as he's about to go slay Goliath. And he says, no, the God of angel armies is on my side. And so I love how like corporate this is, that this is for the body, this is for the people of God. But I love how personal he says, I'm with you. Like I'm with Joey, I'm with Thomas, I am with you. And I think it's a beautiful reminder for us. And I think it's so, been so special in the midst of all of this that this is a vision for our church, but it's also Jesus' vision for the church. And it's a vision for each and every one of our lives. Yeah. Love it. Amen. And what I, what I would say to that, like what I wish our church understood about the Great Commission is number one is that that's like a mandate, not just for professionals or pastors or clergy, but for all of us. It's not like pastors make disciples. The church leaders make disciples. No, every single human who aligns himself with Jesus needs to see that as the primary marching orders for their life. So I think that I would want for them to feel the weightiness of it, the significance of it. Uh, The second thing is I would want for you to know that the idea of being a Christian and not being a disciple is like foreign to the New Testament. Like there's no like, oh, I'm a Christian and someday I'm gonna get around to being a disciple. Like that that doesn't make sense. It's like you're a disciple or you're not. It's kind of the classifications. And I would want for people to know that. Um, I would really want for you to understand this teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, that part, because I don't think that we have a deficiency of knowing what Jesus commanded in the Western church. I think we have a deficiency of obeying what Jesus commanded in the Western church. And if you would understand what would happen in your life, if you would begin to actually practice the ways of Jesus and not just think about the ways of Jesus or sing about the ways of Jesus or study the ways of Jesus 
or memorize the ways of Jesus, but you would start to live, do, obey, practice the ways of Jesus, the transformation that would happen in your life. And then, man, I really wish that people knew that this is where the action is. Life and the joy and the miraculous and transformation and your purpose, it's going to show up in the nitty gritty of being a disciple and actually making disciples. So that's what I wish people really knew about the Great Commission. Yeah, that's so good. Um, So one of the things we've been talking about is like making disciple makers. And so one of the phrases we've said over and over again is multiplying disciple makers to change the world. And so when we say that phrase, like what comes to your, your guys' mind? I love, I was actually reading in Acts um, last week, and in Acts chapter 17, we see this um, picture of um, this man named Jason's, his house gets broken into, and in Acts chapter 17, the church is being persecuted, and they're coming, they come into this guy's house, and it says in verse 6, it says, but when they did not find them, they were looking for their early church, but they didn't find them, they snuck out, it said they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And so even in like the early days of the church, they were known as the people who turned the world upside down. And like, I just like, I'm dreaming of, you know, a thousand years from now, there being stories written about Elevate City. These are the people who turned that city upside down. These are the people who turned the world upside down because they were so focused on Jesus' great commission. And so I love that. Yeah. It's so funny because like, I feel like at this point in 11 weeks, 12 weeks of talking about this, two years of dreaming about this, like I've got all the visioneering language out of me, like all of the hype stuff. Like now I just see it like so boots on the ground. I see people actually organizing their lives in such a way that like growing into the likeness of Christ is so primary for them that they organize their schedules around it. They wake up earlier. They gather in these small groups. They're getting intentionally trained. Their theology is growing. Their experience with Jesus is growing. They're stepping into levels of faith and obedience and like spiritual things that they never dreamed about doing before. Like I see people on one another's back porches early in the morning, like huddled together around a Bible and a a cup of coffee in in their hands and like sitting in silence and praying for one another and asking really, really hard questions and holding one another accountable towards sin and like parts of the Bible, like just unlocking in their mind and them seeing this beautiful image of Jesus where like a Bible study turns into a worship service very, very quickly. And I see this experiential type of discipleship where people aren't just like, okay, not just having a Bible study, but like part of their time when they gather together to be formed into a disciple maker is they're going to do things together, like serve the poor or share the gospel in the streets or go to a monastery at 4 a.m. or fast for the first time or whatever it may be. But I see this, like, I see people actually doing this stuff now, like, like life on life. And for them to know that, like, disciples can't be made in a one meeting a week kind of experience. So let, let me just, like, Go ahead, because I know we're going to talk about EquipX and what this like next evolution of discipleship is going to look like for our church. But you just, if you really want to grow into a disciple who can make, who, who can make disciples, your idea of kind of carving out an hour to go to this Bible study and check the box and just come up to church, come to church when it's convenient, that is not going to form you into the image of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's going to require way, way more than that. And Uh, I think it's going to be a messy journey for us to get there, but I see that starting to happen. I see people going, okay, 
If, if I actually want a version of church and a version of discipleship that's different than what my parents had or that's different than what's been experienced in the Western church the last 20 or 30 years, then I need to think about this different. And I need to think about this in terms of relationships, getting the right relationships, getting a relationship with someone who can teach me things about Jesus, for, help form me into the image of Jesus um, in a way that I've never been before. And I need the right rhythms. I need to prioritize some things in my life. I need to set a calendar and a, and a rule of of life, if you will, that will lead me into actually being formed in the image yeah. of Jesus. And so, yeah, I see a lot of disruption in people's way of thinking about everything, to be honest, when I think about multiplying disciple makers to change the world, because it's going to require that. It's going to require these rich relationships, these new rhythms. But, but then the, the flip side of that is people are getting launched back into their jobs and they just, they see everything differently. They're like, oh, this is, this is mission field now. Like, I'm not an engineer. I'm a disciple maker. I'm not a teacher. I'm a disciple maker. I'm not a coach. I'm a disciple maker. I'm not just a mom. I'm a disciple maker. I'm not whatever it is. And, and it's because they've actually been equipped and formed and everything that they see now, it's like, oh, wow, I'm seeing through the lenses of the kingdom. And, yeah. and they've caught this vision of Jesus that is so beautiful and is so real. Like Jesus no longer feels like an abstract concept to the people of our church. He feels like, oh, man, he is my best friend yeah. and he is my high king yeah. and he is my brother and he is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. They see this beautiful portrait of Jesus and they just can't help but say, I just want to live like him. Yeah. I want to talk like him. I want to think like him. I want to do the things that he would be doing if he were me. So that's what I see. A little sneak peek now, of the Quebec. Yeah, I decided yeah, to preach now. Like yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love how all-encompassing that is because I think, like, when you think about discipleship, like, whatever form of discipleship that you are currently living as, whatever way you are living as a disciple, you're multiplying that in someone else. Like, yeah. you, someone is seeing the way you follow Jesus, and they are multiplying that in themselves. And so, like, if you are sitting around a coffee shop every time you meet with one of your disciples— then all they're going to do is sit around coffee shops with people. Um, if you are just doing outreach every single day, I mean, that's awesome. But, like, if you're doing that every day, then that person might be a spiritual orphan, and they just, they're just trying to earn their salvation, and they're just trying to share the gospel as much as they can. And so there's this all-encompassing aspect of making disciple makers where it's like, yeah, exactly what Joe was saying. It's everything. It yeah. is the entire word of God. It is teaching people to obey all that Jesus commanded us. And so it's like you've got to try so many different yeah. things to really teach someone to know Jesus, follow Jesus, and lead others to do the same. Yeah. All right, so question. What has been a moment over the past 11 or 12 weeks that you guys will never forget? You're like, because I know these weeks have flown by, and some of them feel like they're like a blur, but then it also has felt like this just incredible, incredibly beautiful journey. And so favorite moment over the last 11 weeks. Yeah, weeks. I, I will never forget just like night one of rolling this out. I'm like literally, like I didn't sleep the night before. I'm like pacing backstage and like literally like right before I get up to preach, I feel like I'm about to pee my pants. I was just like so excited. We have bathrooms. Yeah, I know, but I just <laughs> couldn't control myself. And there was just this sense of, I wish that we had this level of clarity three years ago when we launched. Yeah. I wish that I, I wish that when I was 18 and I went on staff at the first church that I ever worked at, that, that somebody goes, okay, let's think 10 years from now yeah. and like, let's, let's go, let's give ourselves like a very, very clear target to run after for 10 years. And it's not, it's not cute. It's not like all these extra bells and whistles that don't make sense. It's just like, yes, that is what we should be about. So yeah, night one, I'll, I'll never forget it. Yeah. 
my favorite moment is this moment right here with you guys. Wow, praise God. Um, uh, not, so not my favorite moment. I'm going to cry. My favorite moment was definitely the night we did spontaneous baptism. I just think, like, the, the, the beauty of baptism, it just makes me love Jesus every single time I see someone get baptized. Every single time I see somebody proclaim their faith for the first time to the rest of the world that they're a follower of Jesus. Like, it just ignites something in my soul where I'm like, it reminds me of the day I got baptized. It reminds me of when I met Jesus. It reminds me of, like, this relationship that I get to be a part of. It reminds me of my first love. Um, the reason I got into this in the very fir- in the first place is to see people experience him and to meet him and step in a relationship with him. Um, and then I'll just never forget, like, Bailey and I in the lobby being like, I wonder if people are going to come back. And then all of a sudden, like, the floodgates open. <laughs> and we're like, all right, baptism conversations. All right, why, why do you want to get baptized and all this stuff? And then just seeing people get dunked and seeing just, like, the, what that caused, how every single week after people got baptized, um, I was all about that. So that was my favorite week. I love that. I'll never forget the crazy farmer gospel message. And um, if you were here for it, you know. And uh, I'll never forget um, just talking about this idea of um, Galatians 2.20, where, or, sorry, Romans 1.16, Galatians 2.20, Romans 1.16, where um, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. And that idea where you, you painted this picture for the gospel, the power is not found in myself and my ability to share. It is found in the words that are being shared. It is found in the gospel and that we should all be crazy farmers that are just throwing seed all over the place. And um, with just a belief that like God's word isn't going to return void and that there is power in what we get to say and there's power in the hope of Jesus. And so I'll never forget that. I'll never forget you just grabbing that red bucket and just like pouring it out, <laughs> seed all over this place it was beautiful. Amen. Amen. So what are these um, 11 or, or 10 initiatives? When you think about these 10 initiatives, um, which one would you say for you guys personally, like really grabs your heart, makes you come alive? Yeah, I think selfishly the missions one. Um, but uh, I think just like this idea of like, we want to reach five unreached people groups specifically. So like specifically that one, like I just think that little like that goal right there is just like, I want to run after that. The fact that there are 3.4 billion people who do not have access to the gospel. Like just think about how easy it is for us to hold a Bible in our hands and like to open it up and to read the word of God and to get and to, to know Jesus and to hear his will for our lives in his word. Like we just, we just get to do that every day. That's a gift. And there are 3.4 billion people who can't do that. Yeah. They don't have that opportunity. I'll never forget, like, my brother was actually used to be on staff at our, our former, uh, our, our campus, uh, Stone Creek, and he was on staff there, and he was um, on the missions team, and he would write this number on the board, and he would say, this is how many people are going to die today who will, do you remember the number? It was like, it was like 50,000 like yeah, so like, like or something? Like 55,000. 55,000 people who are going to die today without ever hearing wow. the gospel message. And, like, the urgency of that, the reality of that, like, that just, that sinks to my soul. I'm like, we've got to do something. Like, yeah. how can we be a church and not do something about that? And so... Um, just the reality that, like, we get to be a part of bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. Like, that just gets me fired up. Amen. That gets me so excited. Um, and that we get to, like, sow into work that we will never see until we get to heaven. I will sit at a table. I will sit at a banquet table, and I will hear stories of a missionary who went somewhere that I never had to go to so that they could bring the gospel, they could translate the gospel, and, that, and they could experience people coming to know Jesus. That's so exciting. Yeah. Amen. So cool. Yeah, I think my favorite are all of them. <laughs> um, no, but... 
the first initiative um, that we would be a nonstop house of prayer is just really something that like I just feel so connected to, and it's actually the last initiative that we added in, um, but it became initiative number one, and um, it was a really cool just like God moment that I'll never forget of like I've God speaking very clearly through His Holy Spirit to um, a group of us while we're away praying over this and seeking the Lord. And he really just gave us a burden for this one. And, um, and so ever since then, I've just been really passionate about this and just seeing already what just prayer has done for our church when we decided back in March, was it? Um, when we went through the series of House of Prayer for the first time and what God did in our church in this um, place when we said, hey, you know, we're just gonna focus on prayer for two months and see what the Lord does. And then we brought it back, part two, this past summer, and saw God move again. And just to see what prayer has done, um, Monday men's prayer every Monday, 6 a.m., guys meeting here in this room to seek the Lord and to pray. And Wednesday mornings, women meeting here in this room to seek the Lord and to pray. And I believe it's going to, none of this will happen apart from us being a people of prayer. Amen. Amen. Yeah, for me, I said it week one or week two that it's like a buy two, get 10 kind of vision. If we commit to becoming a people of prayer, like if we get serious, like serious about prayer, like in ways that most churches won't because it's, it's not efficient. Yeah. It doesn't fit in our American mind. You spend a lot of time doing something that seems to yield very little results quickly. It's not attractional. If you want something that very few people will show up to have a prayer service, okay? And so in our American metrics of success, it doesn't work, but in the economy of the kingdom, it's everything. So if we become a people who organize our personal lives and who as an organization, as a corporate church, really organize and rally behind these rhythms of prayer, because just so you know, like our Monday men's prayer and our Wednesday women's prayer, that's just the beginning, the beginning, like we hope that eventually we can have like three different segments every single day where people could come for prayer, where there's morning, midday and evening prayer and where people could gather for that. So literally there are three strategic hours where people show up to pray. And then we hope someday we could have a 24 seven prayer room. That would be a desire of my heart for sure, where literally there's this man space that it never stops. There's always somebody who is in there praying for these things, pleading um, before heaven. And, and so that's the direction, but we gotta grow into that. So if we commit to prayer, number one, and then number two, yeah, if we get serious about this idea of multiplying spiritual formation, of disciples making disciples, people realizing that it's not enough. To, like church on Sunday is very, very important, but that's not enough. I must be in these kind of like formative relationships and then I must be making disciples as well. Like if people caught a vision for, I'm gonna decide, I'm gonna go through this Equip X and then I'm gonna disciple three people every year for the rest of my life. Oh my, oh my goodness. Like the landscape of the American church would change forever if people would go, Okay, it, it, it's enough to be like, okay, I can do that. Like three people, I'm gonna invest my life in three people very intentionally for a year with the goal of seeing them go and do that for others. Like, oh, that'd be awesome. And then my third one. <laughs> you I'm get three. I'm just kidding, <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. It's okay, okay. well on that though, okay, pastor, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think is the biggest barrier to us seeing this vision come to life? Um... Yeah, I think it's like us continuing to do things the same way that we did it before X multiply. If, if all of us, myself included, continue to think about church and our lives the same way that we did 
12 weeks ago, none of this will happen. Yeah. Like, we cannot see this come to fruition with, like, casual, mediocre, go through the motions of Christianity, like, kind of faith. Like, this is going to require and demand all of us taking an honest look at what we have determined to be the purpose of our lives, how we've organized our lives, how we spend our lives. And, yeah, things are going to have to change if we actually want to see those kinds of results take place. So I I think this mindset, it reminds me of this story that I've shared before of um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And um, I get that Elevate City is like a little bit of an intense church. And, you know. Really? (laughs) Just a little bit. I don't think so. Uh, Everybody says things like, oh, I want the church to be deeper. Oh, I wish we'd really make disciples. Oh, I wish that it wasn't just about entertainment. Oh, can't we just get get back to the heart of worship? Oh, let's be serious about prayer. Oh, let's really take the Bible seriously. Until you start to do those things, and then you realize, oh my gosh, this is like hard. This is like difficult and costly and this like bugs me and like this requires me to actually like make changes in my life and and it's messy and it's slow and it doesn't happen overnight and so it reminds me of this Dietrich Bonhoeffer story where somebody might look in on some of the things that we're doing and go man like y'all are smart like Joe you could probably preach a 30 minute sermon it'd be funny y'all sing a couple of great (laughs) worship songs and like you know y'all could probably build like a real awesome mega church really really fast overnight pursue the Christian celebrity thing. But, but there's this Dietrich Bonhoeffer story and he, he starts this, um, uh, this seminary, this underground seminary where he leaves behind, uh, like he came from a well-to-do family and he could have been a very famous pastor in the German church. And he, he starts this underground seminary called Finkelwald and one of his friends comes in and is like, what are you doing? This is crazy what you're trying to do, what you're trying to build and run after. And so he puts his friend in this little rowboat and he rows across the sound and he walks up this mountain and he points over to this field where they're training Nazi troops. And he looks back at Finkelwald and he points and he said, this must be stronger than that. Yeah. So. This, this, this way that we're going to form like disciples, like fully robust, re- resilient disciples, that's got to be more intense and more costly and more all in than what the, the Reich, than, than what Hitler is trying to do with yeah. people. And I look out on culture and I go, everything that is happening in culture and the way that society is trying to form people to think about life and sex and money and marriage and relationships and purpose, it's so intense the way that people are being formed. And I'm just going, yeah, like this expression of church has got to be stronger yeah. than what the world is trying to turn people into. Yeah, totally. So if we, don't, if we don't catch a vision for that form of discipleship in church, then none of this, none of this will happen. Yeah. So now I'm lost. <laughs> oh, all right. So, yes, this is where we're going to power through a couple of the questions that you guys asked that are very, very practical yeah. questions. Uh, so I'm going to go through these kind of like rapid fire. Um, so the first one is this, is uh, what's a faster way to track gospel conversations to make sure everyone is tracking them if we want to hit that specific number of 344,869? Well, that's a lot of gospel conversations. And so um, if some of you guys know this already, but we have already um, – Put out a form, and this form is for you to be able to uh, report a gospel conversation that you've had. And this can be like literally 
in your workplace, you could be like, yeah, I shared the gospel with my coworker, and you could just take out your phone, and you get to mark it right there. Um, and so I just want to explain. There's going to be four things that you're going to be able to choose um, from on this form. And so the you first thing is. You put the form up. Yeah, there should be a, a screen for it. Um, but the first thing is church invitation. And so this is just like if you were in a conversation and you got to, like, invite someone to Elevate City. And we want you to mark this. Like, we want you to share that. We want to celebrate that. We want to be able to pray over that. Um, like, we want to see that you invited someone to church. We want to know their name. So that way we can be praying for them, that they would show up and that they would experience Elevate City. Uh, the other thing that you're going to be able to uh, report is a, a spiritual conversation. Yeah. And this is just like if you got to share your testimony, if you got to um, talk about your church, if you got to talk about Jesus in some way where you didn't fully present the gospel, but maybe you just like were able to have a spiritual conversation. Um, then the next thing is gospel presentation. And so this is where like you literally got to walk through all four points of the gospel with somebody. Like we want to celebrate that. And we want to like we want to note that. We want to, again, pray over that, that that person would come to know Jesus. Um, and then the last thing is gospel response. And so if somebody gives their life to Jesus, like, we're going to lose our minds. Um, yeah. We're going to go crazy because, like, in this goal, that's, the, that's why we're sharing the gospel is so that people will come to, yeah. come to know him. And so we want to celebrate that and, and, and make note of that. And just this form is in process. It's going to change. Um, but we really, really, really want you to use this form. We've already had 31 people use this form. Come on. 31. Let's come go. Come on. And it's like not even, it's not even live till this moment. So it's just been like underground happening. Underground. <laughs> I think one thing that's been so special about our church since we've launched is that we've made a commitment to always share stories of transformation. And we say we're Jesus-centered, discipleship-driven, transformation-focused. And this is going to help us to continue to tell stories of transformation and be reminded of how God is moving. Um, if you go back to that video on the screen, I want to show you guys. So one really cool thing is, um, I don't know if you know, like technology these days, but how you can, um, when you're in a, a page on Safari, so you're going to be able to scroll down on this form, and we're going to get this form sent out to everybody tonight. Um, you can go down to the bottom. If you hit the little share button right there, that Caden circled so greatly for us, and you can add it to your home screen. And so we've got these added. It's added to my home screen right now. And if you're serious about like this vision and seeing it come to life, add this to your home screen. Add it to your phone, and um, so that you know you're engaged in that conversation. You're not having to be like, oh my gosh, let me find this. I got to go to the website, and you got like 92 tabs open in your Safari, and you're trying to find where it was. No, just like add it to your home screen. Have it on your phone, and then you can begin to partner with us. As we collectively see this goal of 344,869 gospel conversations happen together. Come on. All right, next question. More info about serving poor, prisoner, orphan. More often than city serve, more smaller, small volunteer groups, or a monthly city serve. Yeah, so if you haven't, if you express interest um, that week that Mike Reinsel, our executive pastor, was here and he preached that message and uh, there was a form on every seat, if you haven't received an email, uh, just go ahead and email me. My email is thomas at elevatecc.church um, and I would love to be able to get you connected to one of those opportunities. Um, but I can tell you in the immediate future, we're going to have some information meetings for some of those organizations that were here that day. Um, and so Kairos Prison Ministry, they're going to be here December 10th at 3 p.m. in the fellowship hall. It'll be an information meeting. If you show up to that meeting, it doesn't mean that you're committing to that. doesn't mean that you're signing up to be there for the rest of your life. It just means that you're just hearing information. You're just gathering information about ways that you can be a part of that. Um, and then in Clarkston, uh, there'll be a big old, a big Christmas party that we're going to partner with Friday Night Light with for. Um, we want to invite you to just come serve at that. There'll be inflatables. There'll be food. Um, and that's December 15th. And then um, uh, the last one is Faith Bridge. Faith Bridge is the organization that we're partnering with for foster care. And that will be December 17th at 3 p.m. here in the Fellowship Hall as well. Um, they'll be coming out. They're going to have um, some people who have been a part of 
a foster care. And again, this is an information meeting. So if you show up, it doesn't mean that you're going to like be a foster parent next week. That's just not how it works. <laughs> um, this is so you can hear information about ways you can serve and how you can be a part of that. So, so it's not like, come to, come to the meeting, get a kid. Not that I know of. I mean, <laughs> that'd be new to me. That'd be news to me. I mean, good to know. All right. When will we uh, start planting an international church? Yeah, so, um, man, I feel like a lot of these questions are directed at me. Come on, Thomas. <laughs> um, but uh, we've already started work in Belgium. Um, so much of what we've been doing in Belgium, honestly, for the last five years, way before we even started Elevate City, was dreaming about um, seeing an international church started in Europe. And um, I just love that, like, this has been... Like, this, this goal has already been in motion way before we ever launched yeah, X Multiply. Sure. And so I remember, like, Joey and I, we, went, we first went to Belgium in 2018, and we've just met so many different people that are doing ministry, and uh, we've started partnering with an organization, um, a, a discipleship movement called Recruits. And so if you don't know already, like, write their name down, Recruits. Matthias, you can pray for them in your prayer all the time. Pray for them. Pray for the work that they're doing. Um, and so we are in talks with them about how to add uh, fuel to the fire of the discipleship movement that's already taken place there. And our hope is to see a church, an expression of church launch out of that. Yeah, just very practical. I love that you said that. But write the name Recruits, Matthias, Christian, and Dennis. Those are the three leaders who are leading that disciple-making movement over there. And if you're ever like, I don't know what to pray for, pray for the nations, yeah. okay? Yeah. And that's an organization and three names that you can pray for. Matthias just had a, a little girl, um, literally like two days ago, two so days praise ago. God for that. His wife had the little girl. He didn't, <laughs> just so you know. Um, but we're praising God for that. Remember to pray for them. Oh, uh, and on that, there's a trip going to Belgium, May 8th through the 14th. May 8th and through so the 14th. You can sign up for that. Sign up. Yeah. All right. Uh, how are we widening our audience for what kids are going to camp? Do we need to increase the scope to reach 100,000? Nah, we got that. <laughs> I love that question because, like, yeah, this is one of the craziest initiatives that we have. And 100,000 is a lot. You're like, wait, I don't know how we're getting there. And But I think I know collectively that we all have a passion for the now generation. And like we talked about on that week when Jesus said, let the children come to me. And so we want to remove every barrier that would stand in the way from kids and students experiencing Jesus at camp, which one of those barriers is just where camp is going to be happening. And so we're going to be growing and expanding our camp ministry. Um, like Joey said, we, um, with our Milton campus, um, we have there's 53 acres at our Milton campus at Stone Creek Church and we have an adventure camp on our campus called Camp Arrowhead and that's for kids um, all the way from kindergarten all the way through fifth grade and this past summer I forget the number oh my god 3,000 3,000 kids experienced Jesus at Camp Arrowhead and a part of that are middle school and high school students and then college students who are able to be counselors at that camp and lead that every single summer and so that's one opportunity that we have we are looking at taking camp on the move and so we're going to be expanding that camp ministry throughout the next few years to be able to reach more kids and students through Camp Arrowhead we also have our um, summer camp which is called the escape and that's for middle and high school students and then our winter retreat which is called pause and then our fall retreat which is called awake now and so we are looking at expanding each of those also providing opportunities to partner with some other churches to grow those ministries as well and so we've got lots of plans um, we have a great team that has great vision and we're looking at you know expanding, um, finding new areas where that can become a reality. And so there's a few things that you can help with that. One thing is just like praying for the now generation and praying that God would continue to grow 
um, bring more families to our church so that we can reach more families. One thing we're going to be looking at doing over the next few years also is to remove barriers by, you know, busing and shuttling up kids and students up to Camp Arrowhead up in Milton and expanding the ministry that way. Also, one way that you can like partner with this is through um, donating scholarships. And so we have scholarship funds where you can decide to pay for a scholarship for a kid or a student to experience Jesus at camp. And so every year we have kids that are signing up and students that are signing up, but they're like, hey, we just don't have the funds right now to go. And so you can be a part of sending kids and students to camp. And so we'll make that available for you as well. Um, but yeah, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be an incredible journey. 100,000. Come on. Can you um, also kind of one more question for you, elaborate on options after the LDP? What happens next? Yeah, so um, for LDP, we are growing that ministry as well. And so to see 100 come through, um, there's a few barriers that were standing in the way. One of those was having host homes available as we're looking at expanding to reach that 100 LDPs. And those are that's our leadership development program we call our LDPs Protégés. It's a 12-month residency adventure um, designed to launch uh, high-capacity min- ministry leaders into full-time ministry in the local church and for the glory of Jesus. And so one of those barriers was having host homes so that we could bring people in from the outside that are looking to be trained up in ministry and then to be able to send them out. And so praise God that when we preached that message on the LDP, we had the panel up here, we had um, over 30 people sign up to be a part of host home ministry with our LDP. And so praise God for that. And so now we've built um, sort of like a roster of host homes that are available so that over the next few years, that barrier is now hopefully removed and that will just continue to multiply. And so we'll be on-ramping more protégés. We're going to start to add um, different time slots that those get added into as well. And um, we're also going to be partnering with a staffing agency to help make sure that protégés, after they finish in the program, if we're not able to hire them right then and there, um, that we'll get them sent out into Jesus-centered, discipleship-driven, transformation-focused churches all around the world. And then we're also looking at expanding the ministry as we partner with um, different colleges to to, uh, get college credit as they go through the program, too. So cool. Uh, which I think transitions well. Uh, one of the things that could happen if you go through the LDP is we would launch you out to go work at another church, or you may be on one of our campus launch teams to yeah. go launch another campus, um, which one of the questions that came in was explain more campus versus church plant. How many leaders, people uh, ready do we need to have to make uh, 10 happen? When do we start? Where first? Are we waiting until we have a building? So, um, so kind of... Uh, you know, a lot of this, like in the very beginning, I remember us getting ready to roll out this 10-year vision and going, oh, are we, are we ready for this? Are we at the point where our church, this campus can handle a, a vision this size because we aren't permanent yet. We are portable. We are still figuring so much of this out. But I think that that's where crazy faith and the Holy Spirit kind of intersect in the middle of that. And so much of what has made the Elevate City story, the Elevate City story is faith in the midst of the impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And so we don't believe that the church is a building. We believe that the church 
exists without walls. And so we don't want to, uh, we don't want having a building to be something that stands in the barrier of running, uh, uh, be a barrier that stands in the way of us running after what God has called us to. Um, but a little bit on that question, uh, the difference between a campus and a church plant is we may have some church planters who come in who just catch a vision for the culture who we are able to invest in, train up. They spend a little bit of time with us, but then they get launched out. They're a separate 501c3. They take, they have their own staff. They don't run the same plays that we run necessarily. They may have a different statement of faith. Uh, they're not connected. What makes us a campus with Stone Creek, we teach the same series on a Sunday. We have the same centralized leadership team, the same statement of faith. We're one nonprofit organization. We've got the same set of vision and values. We've got the same global mission partners, the same discipleship pathway. All of that unifies us and makes us one. So that's kind of the difference between a campus and a church plant. Um, and then how quick are we starting like on the next one? Like some of those things are already in motion as we begin to scout out areas, as we begin to develop team, as we begin to think about uh, like what would be the best location for us to go. So we're already started on launching campus number three. Um, in the early phase of that, if you ask me like when I think that something like that would, would launch, probably 2025. So maybe like August 2025, launch campus number three is kind of what we're thinking um, right now. So you can kind of put that on your radar. And then in terms of just the building situation, this is where I'll transition and just get very, very practical for you guys and answer the question that I know a lot of people um, are probably wondering about. Um, truth be told, we thought we were gonna end up probably merging with First Baptist San Springs and uh, getting the space that ended up not working out. Um, and I really thought it was going to happen, guys. And even when I was told it wasn't going to happen, I still thought it was going to happen, guys. And uh, at this point, I'm very confident it's not going to happen, guys. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it was a pretty wild season. I, I'll never forget that season of, um, for months, I came up here every single week and uh, at 3 a.m. I would get out of bed and I would drive up here and I would walk around this building believing that the walls of Jericho, the walls of religion and denominationalism and uh, just so many things that they were gonna break and that they were gonna fall. And then I would get cold or scared and I would drive around this building <laughs> believing that the walls were gonna fall. And um, man, I, I remember fasting for a really, really long time and begging the Lord to be able to align things. And for whatever reason, he didn't, he hasn't, he isn't. And um, I have to believe it's because he's building something different, something better, something beyond what we could have seen or understood or, or discerned in and of ourselves. And so um, this uh, First Baptist uh, church Sandy Springs is merging with another church called Christ Covenant, and they will be launching another location, so far as I know, um, here in August. And uh, so we will, we're no longer able to meet here starting January 1st. And so we'll have to find a new location to meet. And so um, I want for you guys to know, we as a staff team have worked our tails off um, trying to find out where to go. Sandy Springs is a weird, stinking city, y'all. It's just, it's a weird city. It's an expensive city. Um, it's an already developed city. And so there's just not a lot of spaces for churches to go. Um, I wouldn't say that the, the church has great blessing or favor within the city of Sandy Springs. So it's really, really hard to kind of maneuver and do things here. We have knocked on like every door that we know to knock on. We've tried to go consider going back to hotels, uh, going back to the movie theater and running 12 services. Um, like we, we've, we've 
really considered a lot of different options. We've stretched the boundary of where we would be willing to go, like further north, further south, further east, further west. And I'm sure for some of you guys, that makes you excited. For others, it makes you panicked. Um, but we've just been like, God, what are you doing in the midst of this? Um, we have been trying to be able, like one of the conventional things that most like newer churches would do is meet in a school. We have literally been trying to meet in a school for months. Our application has gotten denied so many times we've run into insurance problems and challenges. We've talked to people in the county, superintendents, like people who, principals, people who are way high up trying to get everything orchestrated. We are praying and crossing our fingers that our application, like we're at the final stage of being approved to be able to start meeting at a school in January. Uh, but hopefully we'll hear something this month. So you guys can pray for that. Pray that that, that application would get approved. If so, then starting on January the 7th, we would start meeting at North Springs High School, which is right here in Sandy Springs. It's about, uh, I don't know, eight minutes from here, something like that. It's a little bit further north, so it's in between here and exit six. Um, we'll get you all the information that you need on that if it ends up working working out means that we'll go back to being very, very portable, very set up and tear down. Uh, service would be at 10.30 a.m. is what we're, oh yeah, praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> Revival breaks out in this place. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's something that we've been wanting to get back to. Uh, total transparency, the only reason that we rolled at 5 p.m. for as long as we have is because we thought that it was paving the way for us to be able to, to, to merge. And it was like a short kind of, bridge season for us to do this that was like worth you know rolling the dice on um but it's always been our strategy to be on sunday mornings to be able to serve families well and i just want to for a quick second can we give a round of applause to all the parents who've brought their kids for the last two years at 5 p.m i want for you to know we we lost some families in that season because i want for you to know that like if I didn't work here, I don't know if I would go here with my kids uh, because it is brutal bringing your kids to church at 5 p.m. And I, those of you who've been so faithful and so dedicated and had such a vision for the kingdom to sacrifice, I applaud you and I love you. And we're about to have the best kids ministry in the world at 10.30 a.m. on Sundays, um, hopefully in January. So, um, but all that to say, that's like kind of our one main option we don't know what would happen if that doesn't come to fruition, just to be totally honest with you. And this is the part of the story where, like, I'm just going to tell you, we need the church to be the church. You, you have an awesome staff who sacrifices. They smart, okay? Like, they are, they're thinking strategically and, uh, like, in an innovative way. They're knocking on doors. They're hitting the pavement. They're thinking outside the box. Um, if you know somebody in commercial real estate, we'd love to talk to them. We have had six different commercial real estate agents. We have seen countless numbers of property. We have thought through every conventional model that you could think of, meeting in a hotel, meeting at a different time, meeting on a different night of the week, having lots of different services, meeting throughout the week, meeting in other churches. Like we, we've run it down. But if you've got ideas, send them our way, okay? We're, we're all ears. If there's a piece of property, we've probably seen it, but send it, send it our way, okay? Um, we're at the point where honestly, like we've kind of tapped the end of our resources as staff and we really need the church to be the church. So if you know somebody in commercial real estate, if you've got a piece of property or land or something like that, holler at your boy, okay? Um, there currently is one piece of property that we have identified as being a potential to purchase. Now, let me just tell you about this. 
if um, we were to purchase this property, it would require us to raise a lot of money really, really quickly. Um, the total all-in cost for us would be about $4.4 million. Now, that's $3.9 million to purchase the property, and then it needs about $400,000, $4.3 million, I'm sorry, about $400,000 worth of improvements to be functional uh, for us. So if anyone has a rich uncle, let us know, okay? Um, what that would actually practically mean for us is that we'd have to come up with about $1.2 million to be able to put down an $800,000 down payment, to be able to put $400,000 into improvements, and then to be able to make payments on the building, which just so you know, praise God, um, we could actually afford, which being a three-year-old church, the size that we are, we get that we're on the younger side of a church, the fact that we could do that is pretty wild, but we do not have $1.2 million in the bank to be able to pull the trigger on that right now. So um, what does that mean? That means, number one, if, if you have any thoughts, ideas, if you want to grab coffee, we're, we're all ears. We're, we're looking for help. This is me coming to you, telling you as your pastor, I've done everything that I can. I need your help. So if there's anything that you can do, any ideas that you've got, we're all ears. Uh, number two, give and like give big in this season. One of the um, best things that you could do for us is to automate your giving. And I know some people are paid weird. You get paid on bonuses or you don't get paid the same amount. I don't know, guesstimate it, okay? And like put it at the end of the month because as we start to think about uh, being evaluated for loans and things like that, if, if they could see kind of our giving base, it's just very, very helpful in this season. And um, I say give big and give sacrificially. Like a lot of it would go to this, okay? Like reserves would go to this. I don't wanna... I don't want to have to put a thermometer up here on stage, guys. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Where like, it's like, there's a certain amount that we have to get to. And every week I'm like, guys, just a little bit more and we can do it. I'm just like crossing my fingers and like, Jesus, could we just like not be that kind of church? Could we be the kind of church where the people are just like, no, I'm just gonna be so faithful and so obedient to just like sacrificially sow into this. And if the Lord provides, he provides. And if not, then we'll keep being portable. And that's just kind of like where we're at in this season in total honesty. And then the final thing is of course, just, just pray. And uh, just know that, like, I think for us, we've been on, like, a roller coaster ride where it's, like, on the mountain, God, this is amazing, in the valley, God, what are you doing, where are you? And I feel like we're on that, like, that part of the roller coaster again where we're, like, okay, God, like, whatever this next season is, we're excited to step into the unknown and to believe that, like, you're still building something in us and you're still stretching our faith and you're still refining our church and you're just continuing to create this sense of like defiance and resilience and like this, this like tenacity. It's like, we're not stopping. We're not quitting because Jesus is infinitely worth it. So with that being said, this is not gonna be a perfect segue, but I do wanna be respectful of time. I wanna read Ephesians chapter three, um, the end, and it's a prayer that the apostle Paul prays. And I wanna read this as a prayer over our church. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna take this vision letter that was, uh, we prayed for it um, at the start of the service. Uh, we had a video uh, to start the service. And then uh, all of you got this at the beginning of the X Multiply uh, series. This is the whole vision letter that's been written out. And we're going to bring a big copy of that right down front. And um, after I pray this prayer over us, our worship team is gonna come and we're gonna have a time to worship together. I just wanna invite those of you 
who, man, after hearing this, after hearing these 11, 12 weeks, um, who've caught a vision and said, man, I'm all in. I want to give my life to building this. This isn't just our church's vision, but this is my personal vision. I'm going to be waking up, thinking about this, praying about this. I want to give to this. I want, I want to spend my life to see this happen. We're just going to invite you to come down. There are going to be Sharpies. And just as like a ceremonial remembering, remembering, just write your name. Just sign your name. You can date it if you want to. But just saying, I'm all in on you know, seeing this X multiply vision come to fruition. This is what I want to give the next 10 years of my life to. So in light of that, let me read Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter three, verse 14. Can we stand as we read this together? For this reason, I bow, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, not to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. So we pray that in 2033, this can be said of our church, to know Jesus and follow Jesus and lead others to do the same is our greatest passion. In eager anticipation of the 2000 year anniversary of the Great Commission, we've multiplied. We become a nonstop house of prayer who truly believes his presence is better than life. We've ignited a disciple making movement with a culture of deep spiritual formation across every stage of life that's full of grace and truth. Who's your three is now common language. Our cities have heard about the beauty of Jesus as evidenced by the 344,869 bold gospel conversations. We've celebrated 365 baptisms every year as Jesus adds to our number day by day those who are being saved fully dependent on the spirit of Jesus. Darkness is being pushed back and the kingdom of light is advancing. People are being loved, the poor are being served and the prisoners are being set free in Jesus' name. We've gone to the nations. We've engaged five unreached people groups, planted five international churches and sent a hundred mission trips around the world. We've impacted the now gen with over a hundred thousand kids and students experiencing Jesus at camp. We've equipped the saints for ministry with over 100 future leaders trained through our leadership development program. We've become a movement of 10 campuses and church plants that are Jesus-centered, discipleship-driven, and transformation-focused houses of worship. And we've generously given whatever it takes to see Jesus' great commission realized and to live in his story way bigger than ourselves. We have songs that tell our story, some scars from the journey, but so much joy in our hearts because we know that Jesus is infinitely worth it.